0: finished our church directory. And I think it was pretty successful by most accounts. There may have been a few glitches here and there. Some people didn't show up and others perhaps had to wait longer than they want. There was one glitch that disturbed me. A couple of our staff members went to have their staff picture taken in the church directory and they went in uh, t-shirts. And the t-shirts were not white plain t-shirts. They were t-shirts that referenced Jesus and good Christian causes. But they were turned away by the photographers, and they were told that they were underdressed for uh, the picture, and they would have to come back later. But not only were they told that, they were also given this um, admonition, uh, this (laughs) suggestion, this valuable piece of advice. They were told, you know, you should always dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Now, I had some problems with that. I mean, the first problem I have is I sort of think the church directory is democratic, egalitarian, Everybody ought to be able to uh, show up and be photographed in whatever uh, they feel is appropriate to be photographed in. And then, as you look uh, at the way I'm dressed uh, this morning, you have to understand that in our church, every day is casual Friday. So that's a little concerning that we would raise the standards for the church directory. But I think the most offensive thing to me was the piece of advice. Dress for the job you want, not the job you have. As if they don't want this job working in this church? As if, like, working with me is not their biggest and greatest desire in life? You know, that, that bothers me. But it did get me thinking, what's the job I want? What's the job I'm going for? I think I'm going for Joseph's job. Think about it. Second in command of a monarchy that's the greatest in the world at the time. When he goes by in a the chariot, they yell, Make way, make way, and the streets clear and then, all on top of all that power, he uses it to help the world and to feed the starving. Yeah, That's what I want. I want a platform with a lot of power that can make a lot of difference. So I guess I need to start dressing for it. Hmm, how would I dress to have Joseph's job? I suppose I could dress in Joseph's robe. And you may want to do that also, but before you put on this robe, I probably ought to tell you a little bit about the robe. You know, Joseph's clothes have a long history in the book of Genesis. Uh, Michael and Dinah pointed out in the very first week we were talking about Joseph, about his robe. It was a robe given to him by his father because his father loved him uh, very dearly, very greatly. Uh, Maybe uh, in ways that seemed inappropriate to the brothers, but there was no question that this robe signified that this was a special beloved child. That robe was a robe of worth and value, acceptance. It was a robe that encouraged and strengthened Joseph. I believe even in the pit when he was sold into slavery and even in prison. All of us need to know our value. All of us need to know that at our core we are deeply loved, we are deeply valued, that we are deeply gifted. And we need to take that and wear it every place we go. I remember the very uh, uh, first week I was in a new church, second church I ever pastor. The personnel committee meeting uh, was held, and uh, the head of the personnel committee uh, meeting said there was no agenda. He just had one thing he wanted to get clear with everybody. So I'm sitting there, okay. And he said, I just want you to know, Pastor, a lot of us don't like your personality. And I'm thinking, like, after four days? uh, They were very discerning, uh, I suppose. But, you know, the thing that helped me stand up to that meeting and make it all the way home was the fact that at my very first church, they acted like I was St. Paul. And I wore that confidence into that meeting. And even though it was picked at and and attacked, I had that sense that I was still somebody. Everybody needs the robe of Joseph. Every one of us needs to know how loved we are uh, by our Father through Jesus Christ. But... The story of the robe continues, as you well know. There are people that want to take away Joseph's robe. First, his brothers; they take it away, they tear it apart, they dip it in blood, and they use it to deceive their father, telling him that Joseph must have died at the uh, uh, at the mercy of uh, a terrible wild animal. And so the robe is taken from him. And then, as we talked about uh, last week, and as Mel mentioned also last week in New Heights, uh, Joseph's robe that he received when he started being the head of Potiphar's household got taken away from him too. Taken away by Potiphar's own wife. So we need to know, if you want to put on this robe, that it's important to have it on, but there will always be forces trying to take it off you. There will always be forces out there to remind you of what you do not yet do, what you do not yet have, uh, what you didn't do, and what you did do that you shouldn't have done. There are always people wanting to attack and get a piece of the robe of the Father's love that you walk around in. Uh, One of my favorite names for Satan is the accuser. And sometimes when we feel bad about ourselves, we think it's our conscience, and it could be. But sometimes I suggest it's another voice, a voice that's not interested in us wearing that robe, but wants to get a piece of that robe off us. The troubling thing for me in life is so often people who mean well and people who even are on our side can be used to try to take the robe off us. Think about Potiphar. He knows, loves, and trusts Joseph so much that he gives everything in the house over to Joseph. But when push came to shove, he, he contributed to taking the robe off Joseph and stuck him into prison.
1: The rabbis argue
0: that Potiphar probably knew that his wife wasn't telling the truth because he could have had uh, Joseph... Uh, dealt with much more severely than just being placed in prison. And the Hebrew says he took him and placed him in the prison, which indicates some care and concern, not just being tossed on top of a bunch of bodies. So there's almost a sense that Potiphar knows what he's doing is not right, but he does it anyway. Sometimes when you're wearing the robe, even the people closest to you will say things, maybe even unintentionally, that will attack that robe you're wearing. You just need to know that. If you're going to put on the robe... People are going to be grabbing him. but here's the good news: even if the robe comes off, it can be restored. And the um, uh, chapter and story of Joseph that picks up after Potiphar, he's in prison, and then Pharaoh has a dream. He's called out of prison to interpret Pharaoh's dream, and then gives Pharaoh advice on what to do with the dream. Pharaoh is so impressed that he says, "You know, I need someone to administer this program to feed the world." I think you're just the guy, Joseph. I'm going to make you second in command of all of Egypt. Of and everyone's going to bow down to you. And then Pharaoh gives him a ring and a new robe. And the robe is restored. We can always recover by the grace of God, the love that's always been there for us. Uh, we can always put the robe back on. Prodigal son ran off and apparently blew uh, his share of the inheritance. But one of the first things that happens when the prodigal son comes home is the father gives him a robe. Our lives can be restored. Our worth and value can be restored. And it can be restored only by God. But it is restored if we're willing to receive what God wants to put on us. So the good news is Joseph is out of his robe. But he's not out of it for too long as God moves in Pharaoh and Joseph is restored. But that's not really the end of the story. Because uh, today uh, we read in the scripture that when his brothers come to see him because they're hungry, they don't know he's their brothers, um, he finally breaks down, tells them who he is, makes sure they have plenty of food, provides a home, or through Pharaoh provides a home for them in the future, and then we're told, and he gives them all new clothes. There's something about our restoration of the road that's incomplete until we start sharing the goodness, love, and favor of God that we have with other people. A robe is not our robe until we're able to give it away to others. Joseph has taken what the Pharaoh has given him and he's passed it on to his brothers. In other words, we're not truly restored in God until we're reconciled with other people. Especially with the people that tried to grab the piece of the robe going as we were uh, traveling and going through life. Reconciliation is the thing that makes the robe complete. Your robe will never fit you quite right until you are in reconciled and restored relationships with people in your life. There was a guy that uh, talked about uh, when he was speaking at a conference um, one day, while he was speaking, a woman got a vision from God, and she told him afterward, and she said, I don't know if this is going to mean anything to you, but while you were speaking, I saw a ball and chain hooked to your leg. But I saw in your hand a golden key that could open the chain and free you. She said, I'm, I don't even know you. I'm, I may be wrong. You need to test that with God. And she disappeared. And he said, before I stood up on the stage to speak, I was thinking about somebody who had hurt me deeply in life. And I was still nursing that wound. He said, I figured out pretty quickly what God was saying to me. As long as I was living in enmity with that other person, I was enslaved to them, and enslaved to those memories, and enslaved to what happened once. And the only way I was going to be free was to forgive them. He said, I knew right away that the golden key in life is forgiveness. And I think it's that way for us. Forgiveness is the golden key. When we're able to take our robe and give it to others, then I think we're able to wear uh, more perfectly and comfortably the robe that God has given us. But it reminds me, it's not just reconciliation, but it's also a realization that Joseph has that it's not just, uh, life is not just about him having a robe and him having enough to eat, but it's about a world that is clothed, and it's about a world uh, that has enough to eat. And Joseph will dedicate his life to those two things. I'm reminded of the story of uh, Christian author Frederick Buechner, Uh, the day a few decades ago, when he went up to a tall skyscraper in New York City and signed his very first book contract and walked out of there with uh, the down payment, uh, with the first guarantee for this uh, book that he uh, was about to get published. He was so excited. Uh, that this was a dream come true. And at the elevator, as he was getting on, getting off was a man uh, dressed in custodial garb. He recognized the man. They had gone to the same university about 15 years earlier, and he thought, I really don't think custodian was what he was aiming for when we were at school together. And he said, suddenly, the check I had in my hand wasn't as sweet. He said, I think I got a realization that day that there's no real joy for any of us until there's joy for all of us. And I think that's true. Joseph's not going to be happy with his robe until others can be robed as well. But as we close the story this morning, you might be asking, well, why did the brothers need a robe anyway? Well, I'm glad you asked. Earlier in the story, when uh, Joseph has not told them who he is, and Joseph plays a trick on them, to be sure. He sticks his, his silver cup in the sack of the youngest brother, Benjamin, who's the youngest brother uh, uh, still left to his father because Joseph, uh, the next youngest, is thought to be dead. And so his father loves Benjamin deeply. And they know when Benjamin's caught with this silver cup in his sack that he's going to be in prison for the rest of his life. And the brothers are so uh, grief-stricken, not only at the loss of their brother, but guilt because they caused the loss of the first brother, Joseph, that they took their clothes and they tore them. And that's why when they are brought back in before Joseph, they don't have anything good to wear. Because in their shame and in their guilt, they tore the clothes they were wearing. And so Joseph... Replace the old torn clothes with new clothes. And that reminds me that you can't really put on the new robe if you're still living in guilt and shame. Now, some guilt is good. When I do wrong, I need, I need to be reminded the Holy Spirit uh, will teach me that I could correct it. But to keep playing the mistake over and over, to keep paying for it over and over, uh, is excessive and not helpful. And shame is even worse. I've heard it defined this way. Guilt says, I made a mistake. Shame says, I am a mistake. And by this stage in the story, the brothers are thinking they are a mistake. That everything they touch is going to go bad because of what they did to Joseph so many years earlier. There's no place for guilt. There's no place for shame for those who want to wear the robe of God's love. You can't wear God's love and shame at the same time. By accepting God's love, you dispose of the shame shame. You get forgiven of the guilt, and you're able to go forward. And I believe his brothers are going to be able to go forward in the rest of their life. John Claypool talked years ago about a psychologist who counseled a lot of people who were guilt-stricken and grieving things they had done in life. And he said, what I found was that when bad things happen, this is what they said to themselves. Oh, if only I hadn't done it. If only I hadn't been there. If only I had been there. And he said, if only shows up again and again. He said, what I tried to teach them was not to say if only, but to say next time. If this happens, next time I'll handle it differently. If this happens, next time I'll respond this way. Let's not be burdened by the past. Let's be instructed and freed to act more lovingly in the future. If we could only replace if only with next time, then we will be moving closer toward wearing the robe that God has for us. Mel Swartz uh, preached in New Heights last week, and he didn't say this, but I've heard him say it on other occasions. He said, if guilt and shame could bring in the kingdom of God, we'd all be healed by now. <laughs> but guilt and shame never put on the robe. Guilt and shame always make the robe difficult to wear. My prayer and hope for you is this morning and every day that you will be free, knowing that you are loved deeply and unconditionally, and that in your freedom, you will take the robe, and wear it, and share it. Because Joseph wrote, I think it's just yourself.